You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. What I really want to focus is is on His presence. You know, without the presence of the Lord, we can do nothing. Now, as humans, we we can do something. We can crank the engine and make it all work. But without the presence of the Lord, it doesn't do what He has for us to accomplish. It's in our own efforts. And last week, as as we were sharing, um, we talked about how God is positioning each one of us to be in a place to be his transforming work for wherever we are. It doesn't matter where we are. It's just wherever we are. And, you know, earlier in the year, I went on sabbatical and I came back with a word for us, for our gathering house. And the word was is the people of the gathering are going to be game changers for the kingdom. And that he is calling us to be a people of holiness, to be in relationship and live from encounter and presence. And the other part of that is there will be a movement birthed from our gathering family that will be written about. I know gasp because you're thinking, you know, we've got under 100 people here. Most Sundays we have. 50 to 60 people here. But remember the Moravians. You know, it was only a small number of people that came together and decided they were going to be one with God and one with each other. And their transformation brought revival and breakthrough. If we understand that our assignment is to be one with God and one with each other, God can do all kinds of things through us. Even though as we leave here, we go to our different jobs, our different homes, our different assignments. When we come, we are built up, encouraged, poured into each other. So when we go out, we are the transforming work of Christ in this nation, right? So one of the prophetic words uh, I gave personally was that, oh, let me read this other thing that he gave me in a vision. And I shared this with you guys when I came back from sabbatical, that we were standing on a cliff overlooking our city. And he said that people are going to hear about us through word of mouth. That they will hear what is happening in this house and in these lives and in our community. And that they will come and they will be changed by an encounter with him. That they will rise up and righteousness will be released into the atmosphere. This move in the hearts of the people is preparing for what are the things to come. The people will rise up. They will not be silent. They will be the driving force to stop evil from permeating this place. So understand, we may think corporately, even individually, that we are so insignificant. But the word of the Lord says exactly the opposite. That each one of us carry a piece for this season, for this time, for July 9th, 2023, for July 10th, 2023. We are born for this time. And we are born not to be passive 
or not active, opposite of passive, but you know, we're not born to be on a passenger train just watching the scenery go by. We're born to be out there making a difference. And it is not easy. It is not easy. But God has given us the ability to do that. And I know I say the same thing every week. So you might as well just get your tattoo. God's given me the ability. I don't know about your forehead. I don't know. (laughs) My kids would die, right? (laughs) But anyhow, I gave a prophetic word last week about uh, the presence of God. And we're going to start in 1 Samuel 5. Because this is going to be a little bit of a challenging message for all of us. Because the word challenges us. 1 Samuel 5. that where I want to start. Yes, yes. So the Philistines have stolen the Ark of God. Can you imagine what that was like? The, the Philistines actually stole the Ark of God. Last week I said that it was in Kings, but it's actually, let me correct that, it's in First Samuel, the, the scriptures. But um, they stole the Ark of God. In verse 1 it says, Then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon, who was uh, an idol that the Philistines worshipped. And set it and set it by Dagon. So here we've got the idol of Dagon and we've got the ark of God, the living presence of God. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on, the, on its face to the ground before the ark of God. The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off. In the commentaries, in the translations, it actually says cut off. So it wasn't like it fell and broke apart. It was cut off. There was a divine move of God that cut off the head and the hands of the idol that they worshiped. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. (laughs) Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor any who came into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. We need to understand that the presence of God cuts off the enemy. It cuts off the enemy. We also need to understand that there is a supernatural divine move of God That comes against the enemy that renders him ineffective. You know, if your head and hands are cut off, there's a problem, right? There's a problem. And we know that it's not even a living idol. It's just a statue. (laughs) 
We have to understand, and this is so critical right now in this hour, is there's nothing but the presence. There's nothing but the presence. In Exodus 33, let's just read this real quick. Exodus 33, 12, starting in verse 12. So Moses is having a problem with the people. Have you ever had a problem with the people? Any people? The people sitting beside you? I don't know. There is a problem with people because we are people, right? So Moses is having a problem with the people. God is like, I am done with these people. But Moses said to him, Moses said to the Lord, see, you have said to me, bring up these people, this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, if I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. We are the nation of God. We are his people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he now God said, I'm going with you. But Moses said, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. He says, he says to him, if your present does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? Understand God is with us. We don't have to worry about the cloud by day and the fire by night. We have the temple of the living God in us. So his presence goes with us. So we don't have to say, God, if your presence will go with us, his presence is with us. It is with us. It is with us. And as the body of Christ, we've got to learn how to operate out of the presence. Moses learned how to operate with the presence of God. We've got to learn how to operate in the presence of God. The church cannot function without the presence. And we do function without his presence. We do. And it's not really an indictment on the church because Jesus created his church. It's an indictment on the flesh that runs the church, that comes to the church because they're not hungry for the presence of God. They're satisfied with in and out in 60. We have to understand that if we don't gather around the presence, we will not learn how to operate out of the presence because the church is where we practice. When we gather, this is our practice place. This is where we worship. This is where we testify. This is where we read the word. This is where we pray for each other. This is where we go have meals together. This is how we learn in a safe environment how to move in the presence of God. Because if we don't learn here, we're more than likely won't do it out there. And we have to be able to take the presence of God with us and activate it wherever we are. We have to. Because what will happen is we will build a reputation to be present carriers, whether they can identify who we are or what we're doing. They'll know that we're somebody different. Yeah. 
And we talked about that last week, but that's what we want. We want people to see the glory of God in us and on us so that they will be attracted to something, someone who is different from what the world is offering them. The world can offer them money. They can offer them fame. Yeah, I told, I, I mentioned this earlier when the, before, right before the service or as the service started, uh, you know, I, I was listening to a testimony by uh, Michael Koulianis at Jesus Image, but he was talking about all the accoutrements of ministry without the presence of ministry that goes with it. Jesus said, yeah, you heal my name, you do all this, stuff, but I don't know you. I don't, I don't know you. Who are you? We've got to be the people that Jesus knows because we love him. We found his love and we love him. And we've learned how to operate out of his love because when we operate out of his love, everything else comes with it. We've got to function out of the presence. So Acts 19. This morning I went and stood out in my front yard and worshiped and watched the stars and the moon and thinking, God, all of this is just your beauty and your, your wonder and everybody around us is asleep and you're just alive and doing what you do and preparing the day and pulling our hearts and oh, it's just amazing, isn't it? We cannot lose the necessity of the presence of God. We've got to have that necessity here. Acts 19, verse 11. And the reason I'm reading some of these, because I'm going to build us up and prepare us to release the presence of God within us this morning. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Acts 19, verse 11. So, you know, Paul's in Ephesus and it says, uh, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Can you imagine that when you go home, Donna, and take your head off, that you can just let somebody else wear it and, and they would just be healed, delivered, saved? Because what you carry is so... Uh, saturated on your clothing that if anybody touches it, it is the literal transference of the tangible presence of the Lord to them. We've got to change the way we think. We're not uh, a happerstance that just shows up and then, oh yeah, we've thought about doing something for God. We are a physical, physical, walking embodiment of the Holy Spirit that is sent to transform wherever we step. God is not a second thought in what we do. He is the only thought in what we do. I don't have to go into a restaurant and think or just happen to be like, oh yeah, maybe I could do something here. I need to go into a restaurant and know that me being in that restaurant is going to change their economic line. It's going to change how they see 
someone who is a believer in God. I'm going to leave a good tip. I'm going to acknowledge them as people who are working hard on a Sunday when I had the privilege of going to church. I'm going to act like Jesus to them and deposit what is in me on them. And sometimes they will know it. We have this one little restaurant. We go here. Do y'all ever go to Johnny Grits next door? Well, they've been bought by somebody else. It's a cute little couple. And uh, she's just so full of joy. And now uh, every time she sees us, she runs out and hugs us and kisses us. And, you know, and it's not that we've said anything different or done anything different. But sometimes just the presence of God draws people to you that you don't know that want to kiss you and hug you. And you're like, this is so awesome. Kind of. <laughs> but you know, sometimes we just have to be open because people don't know what to do when they encounter someone that cares the joy, that cares the presence, that cares the ability to release something in their life other than a complaint. God is looking for us to be those people. That he is the first thought in everywhere we go. Not the second, third, fourth, or no thought at all. I know we're reading something. Verse 13. So this is, this is going to be a big one right here. Listen to this. So then some itinerant Jewish exorcist. How'd you like that title? I'm just an, I'm just an exorcist. Yeah. Uh, took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by Jesus who Paul preaches. So they didn't even know Jesus by Jesus. They knew Jesus by Paul. I don't want to know Jesus by somebody else. How many people have heard, oh, I can't go to church because my pastor's not there and they're going to have a sub. At our old church, it was like that. If they knew our pastor wasn't going to be there, people wouldn't come because they had a sub. So who are they following? We got to understand. We want people to know Jesus, Jesus, like the real Jesus. They may know him through us, but we want them to have our own. And these exorcist specialists, Took it upon themselves to call the name of Jesus. Okay. They exercised him. Also, there were, verse 14 says, also there were seven sons of Sceva and a Jewish chief priest who did so. That's a lot of information. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Is that what you want the demonic to say to you? I have no fear of you because I don't even know who you are. You don't care of their power. You don't care of the authority. You know, when we have the spirit of God living in us and we don't live like the spirit of God living in us, it's like being right handed and tying your right hand behind your back and then trying to do what you do. And there are many Christians who live without the spirit of God being invited into their day to day. There are many Christians who live like that. 
And we just call that to be part of the harvest, like uh, Vivian was shared. We've got to begin to contend for real relationships with Christ, real relationships with Christ. And that, I mean, I know there was a time where I thought I knew Jesus and I knew a lot about Jesus. And actually, Jesus was the only one I, I, I could fingerprint. I couldn't even figure out the Father, the Holy Spirit. But uh, then I had this revelation. I met Jesus when I was nine. I encountered him, but I could never find Jesus in any church I went. I just didn't understand the Jesus they preached. And I'm not saying they were wrong. I just didn't understand my, my understanding was not open. And when it became open, I was like, what the heck? It's like, I, it's like I read a Bible that didn't have anything written in it. And then suddenly I could read. Suddenly the invisible ink came alive. And suddenly I began going, what? What? And all I could think of was, Who needs to know Jesus and not just know Jesus, but it takes a tangible encounter with the person of Jesus in order to continue to build in your faith. And those encounters are once and gone. They are continual encounters that God offers to us. He offers us the ability to encounter him every day. He offers us that tangible encounter and the tangible encounter is important. You know, when I remember one of the first really, um, first really powerful encounter I had with um, kind of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, I was at the park and it, it came like a um, hologram. You know how you, you know it's, but just not quite clear. And Jesus began to talk to me and I was like, you know, what have I been missing? It's almost like, why haven't I found a place to be a part of that wanted the presence of God? That was willing to set aside, you know, we have plans every, every Sunday. We have plans. We, have, we got plans. But we're willing to set aside our plans in order for the presence to have room, Jesus to have room to be the head of the church. And it takes a lot of work doing that. It is much easier to say at uh, 10 o'clock we're doing this, 10.21 we're doing this, 10.24 we'll do this. It's much easier to schedule. But Jesus is like, For him, it's much easier for us to follow. He's like, if you'll just follow me, you won't have to worry about your schedule. But if you're going to worry about your schedule and try to squeeze me in, that's going to be a problem. That's like the word Gene gave me last week. He said, you know, your biggest problem is, is trying to get through your, he's because I'm doing an intensive. He said, the biggest problem is trying to get through your agenda because God said, I've got another agenda. I'm like, okay. And I'm flexible until I realize I'm not flexible. And you don't even realize you're not being flexible until all of a sudden you realize, I think God wanted to do something different. Because it, it takes intentionality. It takes focus. It takes thought. You have to say, okay, Jesus, today, it's your day. Whatever you want to do, that's what we're going to do. And if I miss a step, then just tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm talking to you. It takes intentionality. 
And it's easier to go on autopilot and just get through our day. Have you ever drove home and forgot how you even got there? You're home and all of a sudden you're like, how did I get here so quick? What happened? Because we're on autopilot. We drive the same route back and forth to our house. Jesus is asking us to take it off autopilot in our minds and put it on spiritual autopilot. So when the spirit moves, we move. When the spirit says stop, we stop. When the spirit says you need to call this person, the phone's up. We don't say, well, why am I calling them? What am I supposed to say? We're just like, we're all in God. Whatever you say. And and if you look at the difference in this Acts 19, the difference between Paul and the specialist in exorcism was the presence. It was that what it came down. It came down to the presence. It wasn't like Paul was running around wiping his face and saying, take one, take one, take one. He's just doing what he does in the presence and God is moving through him. And the exorcist is like, I'm going to, you know, just get rid of all the spirits because Paul knows Jesus. But there's no connection there. The difference between the two literally is the presence. Let the difference be in us, the presence. I've got one other uh, part I want to share. Oh, we've got plenty of time. Y'all just relax. We've got plenty of time. I've got at least one other part I want to share. We're going to go to Acts 28. Because what I'm trying to do is build us. Today, we're building. We're building on the fact, knowing that Moses followed the presence. Paul lived out of the presence. We as a body, as a, per, as a person who believes in Jesus Christ, we live out of the presence. But we're going to change our mindset where the spirit is our autopilot. And we follow the spirit and it may be a different route that we normally take, but God's already done the map quest for us. He's already run the route for us. He knows what we're going to do. Acts 28. I believe we're going to start, you know, Paul is on this journey. He's, he was imprisoned. He said he wanted to see Caesar. So they decide to take him to Rome to see Caesar And it's a little bit of a bumpy ride as he goes. They sail and then they have to stop a little bit. Uh, Let's start in, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to go to Acts 27, 9. So they stop at Fairhaven because they've had a little bumpy road and they decide to go on. And Acts uh, 27, 9 says, now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because uh, because of the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of cargo and ships, but of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship by the thing, than the things spoken by Paul. So understand, sometimes you're in a very difficult situation and you have the right word, but you don't have the authority to make the right word stick. So you're going to have to go with what they decide to do, even though it's not the right word. You have the right word of the Lord. Think of times at work where you've been working and you know that that was not the right decision. And you've tried to persuade the people from above and they are not persuaded and they go ahead and make the mistake. But 
in all of this, God always has a strategy and a solution. Uh, let's go to verse 22 out of 27. So, so they go on and he's, you know, they're, they're having the storm and all this. And he hears from the Lord. He says, and now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, um, <clears throat> but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must go before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who will sail with you. Sometimes you're the saving anchor that God is using because he's got another purpose for you and he's not going to let you go down with the ship. And even in these steps of Paul, you know, Paul tells him, let's not go. They're like, we're going to go anyhow. Paul is building credibility because the storm came. Then he tells them, we're not going to lose anybody. And they end up not losing anybody. He is building credibility as you speak. Do your words carry the integrity and the power and the authority of God that builds the credibility for you that will turn the heads of those against you back to listen? We have to think about what we're doing. We may not win. You know, Paul didn't win the argument to stay and wait out the storms. But God gave him the understanding of what to do and how to release the protection over their cargo. I mean, over their ship, over the people. So that's very important. And when we do have the right strategy, after there's been a failed, our words aren't, I told you so that that wasn't going to work. Right? Uh, right? I got to have a little more agreement than that. Our words are not, oh, I told you, boss, that wasn't going to work. I told you that it wasn't going to work. Our words are, that is so good because God gave us a strategy to get through this, right? There came a solution to reverse what happened. We have to remember, we're not there to taunt and rub failure in someone's face. We're there to show them the grace and the integrity and the character and the presence of God in order to build trust and influence and passageway into places. So we, even though our heart may say, I told them so. God told me. But we have to understand when we're dealing with people, which we all are, when we're dealing with ourselves and other people, we have to understand that God uses everything we do, every failure, every victory, every time we have the prophetic uh, influence there. He will use that to build an influence and, and a, uh, um, uh, 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 what do you call that? Um, Oh, I can't think of the word. We are building a, uh, it's like a resume of uh, trust. Yes, thank you. Trust is such a simple word. We're getting people to trust us. So when they need something, they come to us, right? I mean, that really is the bottom line. And we have to learn that, that when people trust us, they will share the deepest, darkest secrets with us. They will share struggles that they're having in their marriages. They will share things that are happening with their children. They will share where their businesses are, are challenged. They will share their heart with us, which gives us the opportunity to bring the love of Jesus into their lives, right? Amen. Amen. That's good. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, that's good. We don't realize the influence we carry because of who we carry in us. People want to be with us. Right? You want to be with me, right? <laughs> we got to push ourselves to have a bigger vision. Our vision can't be just for today. It can't be just for tomorrow. It can't be just for this week. Our vision has to be bigger. Our vision has to be, God, I want to be such a carrier of your presence that when I leave my napkin on the table, the person who picks it up has a revelation, has a salvation, has a healing, has a desperation for you. That's the perspective I have got to have. I can't just autopilot my life. I've got to push myself to be all that you have created me to be at 1133 on Sunday, July 9th. I've got, we've got to push ourselves. We've got, you know, it says in Proverbs that, you know, if we have no vision, we perish. If we don't have a vision for a harvest, if we don't have a vision that God is moving, if we don't have a vision that something's going to happen that will break down, tear down, and destroy the demonic hedges around us, then we will perish. We'll be discouraged. We'll lose hope. We'll let the demonic taunting overwhelm us. We've got to have a vision, but our vision has to be of the Lord. It has to be of what he's going to do for us while we're here. Whew. We got to go big, guys. It's, it's a big time. Yep. So anyhow, they get to Malta, and I'm just going to kind of sum this up a little bit. They go to Malta, and this is what I love, because not only has, has the Lord built a, um, a, a, there's a word other than trust. God is building, Paul is building something. Anyhow, I can't even think of the word. What I'm, credibility. Thank you. Who said that? Oh, that's so good. God is building credibility. So he built credibility with the helmsmen, with the ship people, all that kind of stuff. So he gets to the Isle of Malta. And what happens? They're very friendly. They build a fire and Paul gets bit by a snake. So the first thing they think, God, he must be a murderer. This is, uh, his, 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 this is what he deserves. I want us to erase that thinking in our mind. Let's quit looking at people and saying they're getting what they deserve. It may be what they deserve, but it's not what Jesus has for them. We got to start looking at people and saying, that is not your just dessert. Jesus has salvation for you. He has breakthrough for you. He has healing for you. We've got to quit summarizing the world, judging the world, speaking death over the world. We've got to start speaking life. We've got to start speaking the words of God over them. We've got to start loving them beyond our own capacity because we know we have to love people beyond what we know about them. And you can think about the person you disdain the worst right now. Everybody has someone that's just not, maybe not their favorite. And I'm going to challenge you to start saying, God, they aren't my favorite, but they're yours. So you tell me about them. You tell me about why they were created. You tell me about their purpose. Let me pray in agreement for their salvation, for their breakthrough, for the broken addiction off of them. Let me be 
the bearer of their heart instead of the cursor of their life. We got to change. We got to change. Okay. So anyhow, they think he's a murderer. And then they think he's a God because he doesn't die. So they're, you're either one or the other. But, but Paul, you know, he's just like going on with his life. And um, uh, let me just read verse 6. It said, however, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. So in that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island. So who around you? would you look at as a leading person of influence in your sphere? Just think about that. Ask God for an entryway because your character has made a way for them to pursue you. Ask God to open the door because when he opened the door to Paul, not only did his father get healed of dysentery, but it says, Paul went in and prayed with him, laid hands on him and healed him. Verse 9 says, so when this was done, the rest of the island who had the diseases also came and were healed. So understand, because he got entryway to a person of influence, everyone under the person of influence also got what he got. When you get entryway into someone, whatever you give them, will also pass on to whoever they have influence in. Let me say that again. When you get entryway to a person of influence, everyone that they have influence over will also get what you gave them. So what are you giving? Are we given the presence? Are we giving them the best that Jesus has for them? Are we giving them an encounter with the Holy Spirit? And it doesn't have to be weird. We don't have to be weird people. We can be weird in here. There's freedom for weirdness here. But, you know, sometimes we need to keep our weird in our pocket until we get that trust breakthrough. And then you can pull all the weird stuff out. You can lay hands on them, you know, you can speak in tongues, you know, whatever. But, you know, it, we think that it has to be some kind of la, 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 la. No. We just have to get close enough to release. Amen. Capture and release, right? Yep. We're fishing. We're catching the big ones. We're releasing them back in the water so they can influence the rest of the fish, Right. So, so that's what we really need to press into. We got to press into the presence of God and we got to remember that our autopilot is a spirit and that everywhere we go, we're leaving tangible, a tangible release of God and that our biggest naysayers, our biggest challenge, our biggest people that don't like us are our biggest target to take them out with the love of God. And then I want to P.S. a little bit on what Sarah says. Sometimes when there is a demonic assignment in the place, you got to pray them out. 
You got to say, God, they're going to need to be delivered or they're going to have to go. And he will get that worked out for us. You know, sometimes there is a, uh, we had one here, a physical demonic presence in the house. And we're like, looks like you're going to have to go. And they're like, ah! <laughs> when Chuck speaks, everybody moves, right? But, but it's true. You know, they had the option of salvation and deliverance. But when they are sent on assignment by the enemy and they do not make the choice for Jesus, then they can't stay in the house. Sometimes we have to pray them out of our businesses, out of our neighborhoods. You know, they can change. They can choose Jesus or they can go. The dumpster can be moved. Right? So we have, we, we have to release the presence and have the discernment to know what's next. And if the spirits are autopilot, he's the one directing us. He's the one that's mapping us out. We will have it. But we also need the body life in order to be able to build up, to encourage, to pray for each other, to know that I'm not in this alone. I've got others that are taking the kingdom with me, that are taking their territories, that are changing the world, that are going to be part of the books of heaven saying, you know, that little gathering people, ooh, they're good. <laughs> we can count on them, can't we? Yeah. Angels, you can work with them. They're easy, you know. That's what, that's what I want to be. Okay. Amen. Amen. Whew. So we're going to pray for each other today. Uh, we've got a few minutes and I want people to lay hands on each other, pray for each other. If you need prayer for something, I want you to raise your hand and I want us to activate, to practice uh, on people that you know, so that when you go, you'll practice on people that you don't know. Okay. So if you need healing, let me just say, if you need some kind of prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And then I'm going to ask the rest of you to uh, go after. And just make sure you ask if you can lay hands on them. And uh, if not, that's okay too. Um, but I want you to go. I want us to pray for people. I want us to just release the presence of God over them. And we'll go from there. And I'm going to go ahead and release the uh, online guys. So, uh, oh, someone's calling me. Good. They need prayer, Jesus. Uh, so if you'll go ahead and release that. So you guys just go at each other and let's pray. joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.